Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst this morning. And God, we ask for more. Not to be greedy, Lord, not because we want something great for our church or our own name, but because it expands your kingdom, Lord God. It causes a witness for you to go forth into all the world, and it causes people who are far from you to be drawn to you and to be connected to you. And so we ask for more, Lord, that you would continue to do what you want to do in our midst, truly building your church as only you can, Lord Jesus. And we honor you now. We thank you for your word. Use it to speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we talked about next steps. We said there were some, some steps that God wants us to go and take. There's things that we know on our heart. I need to do this in my life. This is what's next for me. And I hope some of you that were here last week took that to heart and that you took that next step. Uh, some, of, some people that were here this morning, they've taken the next step by joining the church. Some people took the next step by going to boot camp. And becoming a Marine. How many of you know that's a big step in your life to step out and to do that? Hoorah. <laughs> and then some people in this room, you've done things this week that nobody ever knows about. Nobody will ever see. And what, what the reality is, is we walk with Christ in our lives. As we walk with Jesus, Him leading us, speaking to our hearts. This is what we need to do next. Whether you take a step that's visible for everybody in the world to see, or you only do something that nobody ever sees. It's significant. It doesn't matter how many people see it. It's significant because it's next. Because God's with you and He's walking with you and He's called you to do it. And what happens when we take that step? It's like God is so pleased. He's, he doesn't care what the step is. Can I say it that way? It doesn't matter if it's big or small. He doesn't look at the actual step you take. He looks at our heart. He looks at what's going on, what's our motive, what's our heart, what's the attitude inside of us when we step out into that. So it could be the biggest thing in the world, it could be small, but if your heart's right, God's like, yes! Did you ever do that to your kids? Like your kids do something amazing and you're just like wanting to do a dance and you're, you're in the stands at a school sporting event or something and you know like, okay, I don't want to embarrass, but you're on the inside, you're just like, yeah! I think God does that. When we take a step, no matter how big or small, I think He's like, yes! That's my kids. I, I still remember that's, that's one of the, the most lasting impressions that I have in my life is of my dad saying, that's my boy. And it, it didn't matter what I was doing, what event I was involved in. And some of you know this story. It doesn't matter if I even shot at the wrong basket when I was in grade school. It was still, that's my boy. You know, you're out there, you're doing it. I'm so proud of you. And I just want you to hear that. If you've taken the next step this week, just hear the Lord saying, that's my boy. That's my daughter. I'm so proud of you doesn't matter what it was, if you did it, the obedience, the heart attitude, he's like, yes, just hear him say that, it'll be this morning. Oorah. He's saying oorah to you. You know, isn't that really different, though? The, I think the world places more value on what's visible. You know, the, the stuff that you do that everybody can see and the prestige you get, and God looks on the inside and says, I'm just looking at your heart. I'm just, I'm just wanting you to come walk with me, come follow me, and it doesn't matter what the step is. The fact that you took it, oh, I'm so happy about it. And uh, I was thinking along the lines of taking steps that nobody ever sees. How many of you have ever read what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? He starts talking about giving and praying and fasting, which, which are all things you kind of just do on your own. But three times in that chapter, he says, your father, who is unseen, sees what you're doing and he will reward you. He sees what you do in secret. So it doesn't matter, whatever the step you're taking, whatever, maybe you're, you came to church this morning and you were just like, oh my goodness, I remember him preaching that last week. Now I even wrote myself a little note, I need to do this this week. You know what? You can still do it. 
if, if, it's, if it was the next step and you haven't done it, it's still the next step. And he's just waiting. And he says, the Father who sees what you do in secret, he will reward you. So be encouraged. Continue to take that step no matter what it is. And you have to be on the lookout. If you took the next step this week, here's what I want you to be on the lookout for. More opportunities to take more steps. Because that, that is part of what he rewards us with. Is he gives us opportunities to say, you think that was good. You think I was with you then. Let's do this together next. And wait till you see what happens when you take this step. And that's part of what we have to be on the lookout for. It's, I didn't preach that sermon so it would be like, hey, this is great. We all took one step. And then we just park it and sit down and never do anything else. We, we, I preached about wanting to take the next step because I know it starts motion. And the, the next step we take, he shows us the next one after that. And he continues to lead and guide us. He continues to order our steps. But part of it is us just being willing and having the faith to step out and do it. Yeah. It's, like, it's like doing such a good job at work that you get promoted. That's, that's really what it feels like. Hey, you, you are, isn't that the scriptural principle? If you're faithful with the little that you've received, you get more. That's what Jesus taught. If, if you do, hey, I, I asked you just to take this little tiny step, and you did it. Here's another one. It's a little bit bigger, but you can do it. You, you're able, because I'm with you, and I'm sending you. If we're wondering sometimes... How many of you have ever felt this? Like, I wonder, why am I not getting anywhere? Why is progress not happening? If you feel like you're not getting anywhere, sometimes you need to go back and say, did I do what's next? Did, did I take the next step? That's, that, that's a good inventory. If you ever feel stuck in life, go back and ask yourself, what's the last thing God told me to do? What, what do I know was supposed to happen in my life and I haven't done it yet? And that's a good place to get to get unstuck out of where you are. Every... This is how it works for me. I don't, I don't know if it happens this way for you, but this is how it works for me. Every time I do something that I know God has told me, take this step, I feel Him. Like, like I literally feel His presence. I feel His uh, approval. I feel His face shining on me. I, I don't know how it is for you, but when I know I have obeyed what God called me to do, it's just like, oh, He's here. And it, it's not like He's not with me every other time. It's not like he's not with me when I wake up or when I'm doing just random stuff for the day. He's there, but when I obey, when I do what I know is next, it's just like, wow. How many of you ever, if you've been here long enough, you remember Dad preaching about the palpable presence of God. Like it's tangible. God is tangible. You could actually feel him. That's what I feel when I obey. And it's just like a reminder of like, oh, it was so good to do the right thing. Yes. We get, he says, the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Sometimes the reward is himself. That's what he told Abraham. I am your shield and your great reward. And it's like when I take that step and I know that he's real and he's there, it's just like, oh, this, does it get better than this? And that makes me think that every time we take a step and God is involved, it's supernatural. Come on, he, God blesses obedience. He loves when we take next steps. He loves progress. He loves movement. And when he, when that attracts him and draws him, how many of you know when God is involved in a situation, by definition, it's supernatural. When the God of the universe shows up, that makes it beyond normal, beyond natural, beyond what we expect to see happen. When God comes, it's supernatural. And that's what happens every time we take a step of obedience. Every time we do what we know is supposed to be next. It's a supernatural occurrence in our life. And it could be something as small as, man, God, God told me to go smile at that guy in the store and just give him a pat on the back and say it's going to be okay. 
How many of you know that's supernatural? If God told you to do that and you do it, man, he's in it. I mean, I'm going to share a story. Pam was talking about she was working at the food bank this Thursday. And there was a family that came in. And it was just like, you know, the, you could tell they weren't having the best day, right? You know, a little bit of sniping at each other. They just had that look on their face. And Pam, she's sitting there and she says, I just knew that God wanted me to tell them it's going to be okay. That, that he's with them, he's for them, that he loves their family, that he's, he's got it. And so she just, she stepped out, she did what was next. Hey, I just, I just want to tell you that God's got it. He, he loves you, he loves your family, your family is beautiful. He wants to encourage you that it's going to be okay. And it was like, their whole countenance changed. And I bet you knew that God was there. It was supernatural when you take that step. And God showed up. And that's the way it is with every step, whether it's small or big. When we do it, he's there. And it makes it supernatural. And uh, later today, some people are going to get water baptized. Talk about a supernatural event when God shows up and does something. Uh, baptism is kind of unique because it's like a private decision we make to take a very public step. It's, it's like the both worlds that we were talking about. It's, it's a personal inside me decision that nobody knows about, but then everybody knows about it because they see me go into the water. And I think God smiles on that one. I was baptized when I was a little kid, and I still remember to this day it being a big step. You know, it was like uh, they, they said, hey, we've got this book. I don't even remember. I, we probably still have that book in a file cabinet somewhere. But they had this book, and they laid it out on this stand in the back of the church. And they're like, if you want to be baptized, you have to go sign up and put your name in the book. What was I, like seven, somewhere in that, five, six, somewhere in that range? I can still remember the stand and the book on it. And, and I remember sweating, like walking past it. Like, you know, as, as you're five, you're kind of looking up at the book. And I remember, like, walking past it, and I'm like, that book is freaking me out. Yeah, I'm like... What happens if I write my name in there? Is it going to be okay? You know? And sometimes it can be like that. When we're, when we're concerned with taking the next step and doing something out of faith, it's like, hey, what's going to happen? I'm not sure. But God's smiling on me. Yeah. He says, just take it. And I, I still remember going up, like, signing my name in the book. And, and the world didn't end. Yeah, the roof didn't collapse on me. The, the sand didn't even fall over on me. I'm trying to reach up there and write. But it was just that step of faith. Even as a little kid, I knew... This is the right thing to do. This, this is what Jesus wants me to do, and that makes it okay. And so you put your name in the book, and you go. And I'm, I'm just encouraged specifically for you guys that are getting baptized this morning. This is a great step. Jesus sees it, and he's like, this is awesome. I'm excited for you. You think I, you know, I gave a couple people a high five this morning and told them I was excited for them. Jesus is more excited for you than I could ever be. That's, that's the amazing part of it. It's like you're going to take this step of obedience, and he's going to meet you in that water, and supernatural things are going to happen. Uh, when we get baptized, this should be one of the first next steps that all of us take as Christians. You remember the day of Pentecost? Peter got up and he preached this great sermon, and they asked him. I mean, talk about an open door for evangelism, an open reception. They said, what do we have to do to be saved? Like, your message is so good. The Holy Spirit's stirring us so much. We want to stop talking, Peter. Just tell us now, what do we have to do to be saved? And what does he tell them? Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said that everyone who believes should be baptized. That's, that's part of the next step that everybody takes. Isn't God so amazing? Like, he deals with us 
individually. He knows what we need to work on. He knows where we are in life. But for everybody to come through the door to get started on your journey, it's the same. There, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you're fat or skinny, you're big or little, you're old or young. He says, repent and be baptized. It's the first step for everybody. We all come the same way. We all start out the same way. And here, I don't want to necessarily step on anybody's toes, but particularly if you felt like you're stuck in your walk with Jesus and you've never been water baptized, that's a step you need to take. That, that is something you need to step out and face say, God, I don't know why I felt like I keep going around the mountain with this issue. I don't know why I'm not progressing, why I don't see more of you in my life. If you've never been water baptized, that's the next step that you need to take. Is that okay to say it that way? Man. In fact, I think if you read through the New Testament, you can't find a story where somebody waited more than a couple hours to get baptized. You know, even the people that received Peter's message, it says they were baptized that day. It wasn't like, hey, go to seminary, get your act together, you know, get straightened up, get cleaned up. It says they believed and they were baptized that day. Like if we had 3,000 people to show up to be baptized, we'd be here a while. And, and we'd be in and out of the tub all day or something. But that day they got baptized. So it's never more than a couple hours. In fact, I think you, you can make a case for reading through Scripture that they so linked salvation and baptism together that the guys that wrote the Gospels, the guys that wrote, Paul wrote all those letters, they assumed, there, there was just this inherent assumption that you wouldn't do one without the other. He, he was like, if you get saved, you're going to be baptized. Like, like in their mind, there was no question. It wasn't like, okay, you're going to get saved this Sunday and then maybe 10 years down the road, you know, you'll feel the conviction like, okay, I should go get water baptized. In their minds, it was just like, oh, this is a given. You know, so many times Paul's writing a letter to somebody and talks about being saved and being baptized. They just assume these go hand in hand because it's the next step that we take when we get saved. So I want to, there's a whole bunch of things that we could say about supernatural things, but water baptism is supernatural. That's, that is the bottom line. It's more than getting wet, okay? Sometimes I think about it, it's like, Jesus, Jesus told them all to be baptized. So why did he do that? Was it like, oh, I, I want you to know who my disciples are so you can, yeah, they smell like the river. Must be a Christian. You know, by, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, by your smell. Like, that wasn't what Jesus was after, was it? There's something that happens in the waters of baptism besides getting wet. Okay, the, the tub is not magical, the, the water is not like super holy water from Israel or something. The, the person baptizing you, I love Jesus, but there's nothing magical about me, I'm just obeying. What happens is your faith, when you get in that water, your faith is what causes something supernatural to happen. Hebrews talks about faith being a substance. Faith is what creates something in this realm. And that's what makes baptism special. When you get into the waters of baptism, your faith is what causes it to be special. Man, we got all kinds of family coming in to celebrate today. What's going on? All right. We could say a lot about it, but I just want to read a couple verses. If you turn to Romans 6 with me, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that goes on in baptism more than we realize. Unseen things that we don't even know are going on. Supernatural things. But I just want to look at one passage. I'm only going to read three verses. Look at your neighbor and say, praise God. All right, Romans chapter 6, 
Uh, leading up to Romans 6, Paul had been talking a lot about how much more powerful grace was than sin. He says, hey, grace has destroyed sin, it's set you free. He actually makes this radical, scandalous statement. He says, where sin abounds a lot, grace abounds even more. He said, grace is so scandalous that it actually caused people to get to the argument, well, man, if, if we really want people to see God's grace, we should just sin a lot more, right? Because it, you, you just told us where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So can, can you see how people look for loopholes? It's like, it's like, hey, tell me what I got to do to be saved. And then you're, you're listening to all this stuff and you're like, oh, wait, he just said, okay, so if I sin a whole lot, that'll let everybody know how wonderful grace is. Yeah. And Paul says, you missed the point. Yeah. Like that's, that's not the point of what grace does. Grace doesn't come. Grace does not come and just cover over sins or, or give you something. Grace comes and completely destroys sin. It sets you free from the power of sin, of being in bondage. Grace... Because I, I think sometimes we give grace a bad rap. It's like we think grace is like suntan lotion or something. We're just, oh, Steve was a really bad guy. He looked awful, but we're going to lather him up, and, and then you won't see that sin anymore because we just covered it over. But it's still there inside of him. That's not what grace does. Grace is a, is a power, enablement that comes from God for you to walk righteously. Grace sets you free from sin. It doesn't just cover it over. Grace sets you free from the power of sin to walk differently than you ever walked before. And that's what Paul is getting at when he makes this statement in Romans chapter 6. So, uh, want to look at this. this, just like you were dead. You know, somebody that's dead and passed away in this life, that's how your relationship with sin was changed. You died to sin. You passed away from it. So Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 4, uh, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation this morning. It says, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him. Now, that, that doesn't sound too exciting, does it? Like, hey, I'm signing up to get buried and entombed. Any, has anybody ever been entombed? Anybody volunteered? Like, yo, put me in that basket and bury me in the ground. Put me in that cave and cover the stone over. We don't volunteer to do that. It doesn't sound pleasant. But what is the benefit that happens? He says, we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. And that's the part we all like, isn't it? That, that entombing thing doesn't sound good, but life, I want that. Well, Jesus did the dying and entombing part so that you don't have to. He let you share in his work that he did on the cross so that you could just receive his life. Because we have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to express an entirely new life. Paul's writing here, his insight into baptism, is that when you go into the water, you're actually participating in what Jesus did. This is, this is not just like, oh, he did that for me. Jesus actually did that as you. Can I say it that way? He's, when you get baptized, there's such an identification that it is just like you did it with Jesus. We shortchange it when we just say, oh, Jesus did this for you. He did it as you. He actually died a death that you get to share in. And then he gives you a life when he raised again. His death becomes our death. And his resurrection becomes our life. How many of you have ever heard that passage? Of, what are the wages of sin? Who paid that for us? The wages of sin is death. Death is required for sin. Jesus died. And his death was so valuable. His blood was so powerful and valuable 
that it paid the wages for all of us. We don't have to receive death because he paid it already. His life is given to us. Verse 5 says, if we, watch this, it says, if we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we're permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. I don't know if anybody's ever done biology experiments in high school. Have you ever seen somebody like cut a branch off of one tree and graft it into another tree and then it, then it keeps growing? You're like, how did that work? It's, it's a branch from that tree and you put it on this one. That's what Jesus did for us. We were attached to the tree of sin. We, we were attached to... Can I, can I say it this way? We were attached to a source of life that was killing us. Death, sin was feeding us death. We were attached to the tree of sin and Jesus came with his loppers. He came with the snippers. Whatever it is, he sliced us off. He cut us off from that tree of sin and he grafted us into himself. The tree of life. Jesus, the tree of life himself. He grafted us into him. And now we are drawing life from another source. We, we have, you still look like the same branch on the outside. You know, you, you've gotten grafted into something. You look the same on the outside, but you're getting life from a whole new source. Man, I've been cut off from the source of sin. It was killing me. It was feeding me death. And I plugged into a place where my death has already been taken care of. And now I'm receiving life. Eternally, by the way. <laughs> Isn't that really good news? We're so included into him. Sin was only giving us death. Jesus gave us his death. Plus, here's life now. And you get to live it forever. Verse 6, this is the one I'm going to close with today. He says, could it be any clearer? Everybody say, no, it's perfectly clear. Paul's, I love Paul's style here. He says, could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Who you were is not who you are. Can we say that? Say that to each other. Who you were is not who you are. You, when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That, that is not just a nice figure of speech. That is not we're just going to clean you up and work really hard to get you to conform. Who you were is not who you are anymore. We were sinners that couldn't do anything but sin. We were in bondage to sin's power. We had to do what was commanded of us. And Jesus came and completely dismantled that. He says, I'm plugging you into a new source of life. You don't have to live one moment longer under sin's power. Who you were is not who you are. And it says in this verse that when you enter in the waters of baptism, your old identity is buried forever. Forever. It's buried. You don't go dig it up again. Come on. Some of us, I think some of us try to do that sometimes. Stop that. We don't go dig up the dead body. Your old identity was buried forever and you are a new person in Christ Jesus. And that's what happens when you go in the waters of baptism. That's like the tomb. Hey, I'm leaving my old self here and I'm, I'm envisioning, I'm rising up as a new creation, free from sin's power to live like Jesus wants me to live now. I don't know how many times I've, I've heard testimonies, stories, I've seen people happen to them. They, they get even delivered from stuff. They get baptized and it's like, hey, I had this habit, I had this addiction. Since I got baptized, it completely went away. I never had an urge again. There, there is something supernatural that we should expect to have happen when we enter in the waters of baptism. I think Daniel's dad always told the story. He got in the, in the waters to get baptized, and the water started roiling. 
like like a big breeze, and he's inside. Like, what's going on here? And, you know, it's, and it's like he had this expectation: something supernatural is going to happen when I get baptized. And God showed up, and it was powerful. Like he still talks about that story, right? Yeah. <laughs> Danny was like, "Yeah, I heard it like a bazillion times now." <laughs> but that ought to be part of our expectation. I'm not just getting wet. Jesus is doing something powerful in my life. He's freeing me from the power of sin. And uh, here's a couple quotes I saw that, that I think just go along with this. This is kind of a cliche. I don't know who said it first, but I like it, so I'll tell you it. It says, the devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. He doesn't look at your sin and says, hey, my son, my daughter, Chris, I'm so proud of you. That's all the devil wants to do is to keep you in bondage to your old identity. Hey, you'll never be free. You're, you're a sinner. You're a drinker. You're this. You're that. You're an adulterer. Whatever it may be, the devil keeps coming and trying to tell you that's your name. And God sees all that mess that's in our past. And he says, that, that's not important. You're my son. You're my daughter. That's, that's what really matters. That's your new identity. You've been born again. Right? Come on. We, born again gets a bad rap. I think the world has tried to hijack that term. But Steve and I were talking one day. We said, there's no other kind of Christian. If you believe you've been born, you are a born again Christian, whether you want to wear that label or not, you have been born again the moment you believe. And that means you've been made new. You've been given a new identity. You're no longer who you were. You are someone new in Christ. We don't have to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. I think sometimes you ever meet somebody, it's like they're begging God to deliver them from some kind of sin. Like, God, you know, please take this away. I've struggled with this for so long. Please take this away. You know, sometimes if we do that, we're not understanding that Jesus already died to free us from sin. It's like, if, if we could renew our mind just by, like, rubbing the Bible on there, that's not why I don't have hair. You know, I, I didn't like, do that until my hair came off. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be so easy if we could just take the Bible and, like, okay, it's going to get in my mind and change the way I think? We, we actually have to read it and exercise some faith and start to believe it. But one of the things that we need to believe is Jesus freed me from the power of sin. He died my death so that I could live a new life free from sin. And when I renew my mind to that, it begins to change the way I act. Some, we get the cart before the horse. Too many times we start asking God, please change the way I act. And he's wanting to change the way you believe. Come on. He's saying, read this, renew your mind, change the way you believe first, and then guess what will happen? It's amazing. You'll change the way you act when you change the way you believe. That's what he's after in our lives. Our job is to renew our minds until we so believe that he's seen in our lives. When we really get what he's done for this, you'll see it on the outside. And this, I love this quote from Brian Simmons. He said, sin is not suppressed by the cross. It is eliminated. Come on. The, the cross wasn't about sin management. You know, like, hey, going to help you deal and manage these downfalls in your life and these sins better. The cross eliminated sin. It was nailed to the cross. Your old identity was gone. I'm getting another amen from Christian. He's giving me the double hallelujah hand. Sin was eliminated on the cross. Not just covered, not just dealt with, but eliminated completely. So there are some people that are going to take the next step into water baptism this morning. And what I encourage you to do is join your faith with theirs this morning. If, if, you're, if you're in the audience this morning while someone else is getting baptized, 
just picture yourself, man, we are stirring our faith together with you, that God is doing something supernatural in your life, that when you come up out of that water, you're going to live differently. You're going to look differently. You're going to be getting, you're going to understand I'm getting life from another source this morning. So if I could have uh, the people that are wanting to be baptized this morning come stand up here with me. And if uh, us, if we could get the kids. I'm just, just going to get high five. <laughs> All right.